Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms where I give you a heads up about upcoming shows and which date and time they will be aired. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the shows, MP3 files which you can download, or links to your favorite platform like iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and all other major sources. You can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at MarlenePardo.com. You can also purchase books and merchandise there. And you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my True Believer stories that have collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStoryTime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghosts, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary. And you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing today? Good, I hope I'm doing really well. Uh being a micro farmer and all <laughs> and as you all know I'm, I'm, I'm still doing I'm, I'm one year into it so I'm kind of actually uh, catching up with the, uh, the, the the trees and my chickens and all that and of course you always know that I got all my pets running around and you'll hear my birds and the reason why I bring that up is over here the Sun is starting to go down and it's just about this time that my birds they start whether it's the, I got some parrots and the chickens, they start making their end of the day weird noises. So you all know what that's about. And then of course in the background, my dogs decide that they've got to chime in as well. But anyway, guys, let me tell you uh, a little bit about our guest today. And I'm super excited about this because we're gonna talk about, you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. But let me go ahead and tell you a little bit about the gentleman that we have here today. His name is Preston Dennett. Now, Preston began investigating UFOs and the paranormal in 1986 when he discovered that his family, friends, co-workers were having dramatic, unexplained encounters. You know, we're going to ask him about that. Since then, he has interviewed hundreds of witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal phenomena. He's a field investigator for MUFON, a ghost hunter, a paranormal researcher, and the author of 22 books and more than 100 articles about UFOs and the paranormal. Now, his articles have appeared in numerous magazines, including Fate, Atlantis Rising, MUFON UFO Journal, Nexus Paranormal Magazine, uh, Mysteries Magazine, and other ufologist uh, writings and, and magazines and uh, blogs. Uh, his writing has been translating into several different languages. He's appeared on numerous radio and television programs. So of course, you know that I'm very happy and excited to have him with us tonight. But let me bring him on. How are you doing today, Preston? I'm doing great. I'm doing really well. Thank you. It is. I'm so happy to speak to you because we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests at the beginning. How did you 
get interested in this field, whether it's the UFOs or the paranormal, was it a childhood experience, something as an adult? What happened with you? Uh, you know, I was always pretty skeptical of the paranormal and UFOs both, which is weird because I did have a couple of weird paranormal experiences when I was a kid. Okay. I remember, I do remember one time I was like nine years old, my sister was next to me on the couch, and uh, there was a game show on Treasure Hunt or something, I forget what it was called, but you had to guess these various, you know, puzzles, okay. and there was a giant, there was a check boxes there was like 80 boxes it was sort of you know a game show mm -hmm. the point is i knew the answer to every single question on the show right before it happened wow. and me and my, you know i was like nine my sister and i were we just giggled thought it was the most funniest thing ever it wasn't later until i thought hey you know that was kind of paranormal yes uh, so there was a hint of something coming <laughs> and that was it Yes, uh, but yeah, I grew up skeptical of this stuff. Right, because when 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 we're kids, stuff like that happens to you, and just kids like uh, they 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 take it in stride and then just keep on going. They never really think too long and deep about it being paranormal or weird. Yeah, boy, when I look back, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. You know, I started to have other experiences much later on in life. Okay. Uh, but that was an early one that always puzzled me. It's sort of my introduction to the paranormal. Okay. okay. Uh, but but totally ignored it. You know, didn't believe in it. Okay. I uh, was very skeptical and heard a report on the news in November. I remember this vividly. November 1986 about okay. a sighting over Alaska. Right? Okay. This pilot, a pilot sees a UFO and I'm like, yeah, right. Don't believe it for a second. But remembered that my brother Mark had seen a U or he said he saw a UFO. And I'm like, oh, Mark. Okay, let's talk to Mark. Right? Okay. Um, you know, I, and, uh, I asked him, like, well, tell him about that UFO you said you saw. And he describes this metallic object with colored lights on it, a dome, you know, your typical flying saucer, and he's chasing it down the street. He he's what? Like, yeah. He's chasing it down the street? Okay. Yeah, in a oh car. I... <laughs> he's a teenager, you know, and he's with his right, other friends. Right, right, right. Greg, Greg and Phil were with him, his two friends, and they're barreling down the road chasing this thing, passing other cars, also chasing it. And, okay. Um, and I'm like, well, let me talk to Phil. <laughs> you know, I want to talk to Greg <sighs> because I was intrigued. I'm like, this is weird. Right. I don't, you know, I believed him, but I couldn't believe it. Right. So, uh, yeah, and they described the same thing. And I started asking people. <laughs> it was a big mistake, really. Okay. Because I found out that my sister in law had had a sighting, uh, had a face to face encounter with gray type ETs. Wow. Uh, brought it up at work. Lady's like, oh yeah, I mean, my whole family watched this UFO darting around, and uh, Dorothy. Incredible what you in. find out when you ask, huh? Yeah, these are people I loved. You know, I worked with for years and years. I was scandalized. I'm like, hey, why didn't you tell me? I was mad. I was, uh, but I. They, they're like, well, you wouldn't have believed me. And right, I was like, about to say they probably <laughs> thought you were gonna be like, nah, that's not true. Yep. And uh, they don't want to look like fools, and yeah. they're not into trying to convince anybody. Sure. They know what they saw. But yeah, Dorothy walks in, love Dorothy, uh, worked there for years and years and years, and she's like, oh yeah, one followed us home from the library, me and my best friend, my mom was driving, she's like, it's weird, Preston, we live five minutes from the library, it closes exactly at nine, that's when we got out, this thing follows us home, it had, you know, colored lights all around the uh, perimeter, okay. uh, silver dome-shaped object, completely silent, maybe 50 feet up, right over their car. Uh, they get home, 
five minutes away. They run upstairs and they see this thing dart away and they look at the clock and it's now 10.15. So she's like, I, I don't know what happened to the time. They lost and an this hour. Was, right. And mind you, this is back in 1988. She's telling me this. Yes. 86, around there. And uh, that was before like Bud Hopkins' book, Missing Time, had become a bestseller. Right. People don't uh, realize that once upon a time, yes, of course, there was stuff about UFO, but it's not like now with the internet and all these shows that it wasn't like it is now. There wasn't no. as much coverage or, <laughs> or publications out there. I was freaking out. I yeah. freaked out because I thought, well, we're, we're being invaded by aliens and no one's talking about it. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on? This is, this okay. is not good news. You know, and, I, and it got, yeah, I was really upset. Uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It wasn't good news. So what happened? They, they're telling you this story. So you're you. Keep, it sounds like you're keeping on like this is it, once you you know they put you know that saying that you got to be in your bonnet. You couldn't get rid of that idea of like what is going on. If I, I've got all these different people saying they've had experiences. Yeah, and I'm like, this this couldn't possibly be true. And I looked into it and found that yeah, it is true. There's decades. You know, going back, people have been studying this very seriously. It's a subject that's taken very seriously by high levels of government. Mm -hmm. Apparently, there's a cover-up. Our tax dollars are being used to make UFO witnesses look like fools. Well, you uh, know what? Yeah, I've heard of, well, especially now, I think, yeah, you, you see a lot of efforts. It sounds almost like to discredit a lot of people that otherwise would be taken more seriously. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was much worse back then. It's getting better now, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, like, the, the way that our military has handled the subject uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Yes. Uh, Even though there uh, sounds like recently they're starting to come around a little bit, but I almost think I want to say it's because they're almost, like, backed into a corner where they're being forced to because it... it they have to. There's too much evidence or too many sightings or there's just too much overwhelming evidence, I think. I mean, some of these guys have you know, I've been able to interview them. It's a, a real honor. Like one guy, he was an electrician's mate on the USS Klamagor, a submarine with nuclear missiles on it. Mm -hmm. And he, he told me this amazing story of this USO, an unidentified submersible object, which came up and paced their submarine. What? Talked to, talk to another Navy guy. USS Long Beach, which is also nuclear, and this was, uh, let's see, on the far side of Catalina Island, off the coast okay. of Southern California here, and they all saw these three giant pulsating objects right there on the water, uh, pretty pretty far off, but definitely unexplained, and put the whole boat in an uproar. I bet. So these these Navy guys I'm talking to are like, holy cow. Uh, yeah. I mean, in that in the Klamagar case, it's really interesting because there's this object is pacing the submarine at night, right? This is 1971 on the East Coast. Okay. And uh, one by one, all the major officers come up on deck. You know, the submarine's on the surface. Right. And they want to see this thing. And they take a brief glimpse of it. And finally, this thing shoots off. It, you know, came in at 100 knots and left at about 80. And uh, the second in command turns to the commander and says... How do you want me to report this in the law? <laughs> you can imagine. It's like, okay, whatever you want me to, I'll just because I'm, not, you know, I can't. And, and you know what the commander says? What is he going to say? He responds by saying, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, the commander says, uh, 
officers who report this sort of thing do not move up in rank. That's what I was thinking. So right. here's, how, here's a, a, a schizophrenic kind of situation where our military is you know, charged with patrolling our waters and yet can't talk about it. Oh, no, those stuff like that is like a career killer. That's it. I mean, it's like take your, you know, take your pick. You can either, you know, move up or advance if that's what you want, or say the story. But most of them opt for the, uh, I'll just, you know, describe something plausible, but whatever, you know, but not what you, <laughs> we actually saw. In other words, yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate. And uh, this is a very important subject. Clearly, if our government is taking it this seriously. Well, and think we about know how is. many other stories there are out there, Preston, that have never, that nobody's ever talked about, that never, you know, no, but in other words, if for all the ones that, of the people that have come forward or like the, the person that told you that story, how many do you think are out there that have never made the light of day because of, for the same reason, and maybe even some that were older, the people that were witness to it are long gone, you know, they've died or, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of untold stories. Yeah. I can't imagine. Well, I, you know, I've, I've actually looked into that a little bit because it intrigues me. Like, how common is the UFO experience, right? right. Because there was this quote from J. Allen Hynek, uh, who's the father of modern ufology, mm -hmm. and he said one in forty people have been had an onboard UFO experience. And I thought, no, I mean, no way. That's way too many. Mm -hmm. And uh, thought, okay, that's actually what got me seriously involved in like, let's interview everyone I know. I know forty people. Okay. And uh, I found more than five people who've had a face-to-face -face encounter. Wow. Missing time or been taken on board. Okay. And so I'm thinking, well, this is pretty common. Yes. So probably. And I surveyed all the researchers and I wrote an article for the MUFON Journal. Mm -hmm. And they published it. It's called One in 40. You know, the it's an epidemic. And it right. was about a year later, the Roper poll. Now, the Roper... Cert does does regular surveys on all kinds of different subjects, right. and they finally they finally tackled UFOs. It's really cool. Okay. And it's like they put together this questionnaire to see how many people are abductees. Okay. And uh, they put in these little hidden questions like, "Do you see balls of light moving through your house? Have you had a close-up encounter? Have you experienced missing time? Do you have unexplained scars? These types of okay markers." And they found one in 50 people have had a UFO abduction, which is very close to what J. Allen Hynek said. Right. And he, yeah, I because, think it's higher than that. Yeah, one thing is to have a sighting and another thing is to have an abduction. Like it's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's different in a way because some people have sightings, but they, there's no abduction involved. Yeah, and as far as sightings, that's something I, I always ask people. I'm like, well, did you call MUFON, you know, the Mutual UFO mm -hmm. Network or... New Fork, the National UFO Reporting Center. Did you report your sighting? Did you call the police? Almost everyone says no. I was I'd be, no. right? So I'd be very generous if I said one in ten. Yeah. Probably closer to one in a hundred. Yeah. And, and, if, and if that's true, if only one in a hundred people report their sighting, well, here's the thing: New Fork and MUFON both get dozens of reports daily. You know. Okay. So you, if you can times that by a hundred, well, they're getting, you know, a Sometimes they get, they'll get 10, 20 reports. Times that by 100, that's 200 reports. That's a lot. Yes, that is. E e so that, yeah. That means somewhere right now, someone's having a sighting. I yeah. am absolutely convinced that this is not like, oh, a sighting every now and then. No. It is a, a constant right. activity 
of UFOs visiting our planet on a daily basis. Well, the thing At is, all. even when let's say let's say you pull out the people that mental, you know, mentally ill, liars, mistaken, you know, whatever. Let's say you pull those out. That still leaves a lot of legit reports. A lot. Yeah, a weird situation because it's not a subject a subject that is really taken seriously. There's still an active cover-up. There is. Uh, while it is being slowly released and we're getting this interesting stuff from you know the Pentagon, mm-hmm. the Tic Tac incident, and all this sort of uh, the pilots being allowed to report their encounters now. This right. is really interesting. Let me ask you but something. This- do you think, do you think, and, and sometimes, do you think that they they know a lot or is it that we assume that they know a lot about these extraterrestrials, whatever, let's put it plural if there's more than one type. And they're almost afraid to come out and say, yeah, they do exist, but we know only this amount. You know, yeah. we've been able to only back engineer so much and there's a lot we don't know. And they're kind of almost afraid. When, because let's face it, everybody's going to want to go, well, what's this? What's that? And they're going to be like, we don't know. I wonder if that's part of the problem of non-disclosure. I'm sure you're right. I, I feel like it is a strong factor. There's many factors. Like you said, they painted themselves into a corner. This is the way they've always done yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, it's, it is heavily compartmentalized. You know, by that I mean people only know little bits and pieces of what's right. going on. Um, right. And uh, of course, it's controlled by the whole. You know, the one percenters, the right. the bank, the banking industry, the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. You, you know, these type of uh, super. P- powers i guess you might call them well i think uh, i think that i think if you know when you think of all the gazillion questions that people the general population would have i would think there's made probably two number one how many of them are there and number two are any of them hostile you know hostile as in is you know more than just observing us and i think that if the government's I want to say, you know, worldwide said we don't know to either or both of those questions. That would be a problem. Yeah. Well, every official, official, I'll put that in quotes, mm-hmm. government study, because uh, the government studies are pretty, Blue Book was a joke. You're right. And the, Con- the Condon Committee and the Robertson panel, all, all these are, you know, government funded studies, which all concluded that there is no national security threat, you know. Nothing there, you know. There is no there there, which is patently untrue. We, it's absolutely a national security threat if these things are abducting people. Sure. From a military standpoint, I mean, they're hovering over our missile bases and shutting off our missiles. They're hovering over our nuclear power stations, our dams, any our air force bases. We've had we've lost pilots. Yes. This is definitely a national security issue, for sure. Yeah, I but don't th- can you imagine, let's say, that, that that's, that's a great example, all these things that are happening, and then the government has to come out and say, yeah, but we're powerless to stop it. <laughs> yeah, which is basically what the situation they're in. Yeah. And I don't think they're entirely powerless. We do have this technology. Uh, and for, as far as ETs being hostile, come on. I mean, we, even a child, the first conclusion they come up with and they do their of UFOs in a school project is they, they're not hostile because they haven't taken over yet and they easily could. This right. is something we've known that they've been around for thousands of years and have a technology that's far superior to us. All the, all the types of UFOs we're seeing, you know, maybe not just greys right. or praying mantis or humanoid or we don't what? really know. But 
technology is far superior to ours. No, I don't think they're hostile. I talked to a lot of people who've been taken on board these craft or seen them face to face. And uh, I always ask that, you know, do you think they're evil? You know, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And uh, the worst I get is like they were very uncaring or unfeeling. Right, right. Uh, but uh, what we don't get is like sadism or right. torture or, host- or murder or just awful things that humans do. Right, right. So I'm very hopeful because what they're interested in is things that are really human. They're interested in our emotions. They're interested in warning people of ecological disaster, of alternative energy, of healing. This is when they give people messages, that's what they talk about. Let me ask you, what do you think of the theory that the grades are biomechanical? I think some for sure are. I think it's a mistake to lump the grays into one category. It's because mm-hmm. we have all these bald, you know, kind of grayish-skinned humanoids. It's easy to say, well, those are the grays. And right. I don't think that's the case because we have like three-foot-tall sort of mm-hmm. biomechanical android-type beings, which right. are very unfilling because they don't have emotions. It's just okay. not. And then there's the, you know, the taller kind of willowy five-foot grays, which can be very loving and definitely do have emotion, uh, but not not in sort of the body way that we humans do. Right. Uh, uh, but it's absolutely there. Uh, yeah, I think there's a bunch of different types of grays. and That's mostly what I see. The people I talk to is some version of the gray, but praying mantis comes up quite a bit, okay. human-looking. And then there's this weird catch-all category. Literally, just before I was speaking with you, I was talking to this lady who had an amazing encounter in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, at school, and she saw these kind of uh, lumpy-skinned, dark-skinned, four-foot-tall beings okay. with huge heads and dark eyes, but not a gray, you know, oh, sort of, gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. She couldn't either. She's never seen another description like it. She's been looking for one for years. So I was going to say I've never heard of that type before. And, and right? you know, that doesn't mean anything really. I. Uh, it makes you want. Now, do you, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna refer to the X Files because that's one of the best known, you know, uh, <laughs> shows out there that, you know, makes you think that we know very well who they are, what they are, and, you know, we're, you know, basically we're in cahoots with, uh, with these uh, aliens so that they can even take humans. And I don't, th- I don't think it's that extensive. I, I don't think that they. I think maybe we've back engineered some of their technology just out of sheer coincidence because of accidents that's happened. But I think they're way up here and we're kind of down here. And I think maybe yeah, we're I, just waiting for that moment of real true contact. I agree. I think there's at some level, we're never going to be able to relate to some of these guys because they're just so far advanced. Yes. Um, and it's going to be make big changes in our society. If, wow. You know, open, open official contact yes happens yes. Uh, which could happen I mean, there's no reason um that can't take this i do think we have the technology because yeah. i wrote this book called ufos over california and i'm mm-hmm. like gosh there's like there's like 10 crash retrieval stores in california i i didn't really and i wrote one you know books for various states and every single one of them had crash retrieval accounts yeah so all um, this thing about roswell and all that that which is the one everybody knows about but you're saying basically that that same scenario has played out in other places in the united states yeah a lot a lot of times and so what we're looking at is 
uh, Air Force bases throughout the country, you know, mm -hmm. not just Wright-Patterson, not just Area 51 or AdWords or, you know, the more famous ones, but a lot of them are probably holding crashed UFOs and ET technology. And I think you're right. We only understand it to a very limited basis. At least this is the reports coming out from whistleblowers, right. some of whom I've talked to, you know, but I certainly keep up on this. It's my understanding there's one ship they haven't even been able to open. They can't get inside it. Right. It's, in and other words, yeah. Right. And there's another one. They get inside of it and there's nothing there. There's no, yeah. you know, they can't find any engine room. They don't know how to fly it. It appears to be like, you know, mind meld into it. You have exactly. To, yeah. I, and I've thought of that, you know, like that. that's almost in a way, you know, when we have the, 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 the fingerprint scan or the palm scan or the, you know, the iris scan. <laughs> well, this is the equivalent for them. You know, the only one that's going to move this thing around is going to. And we definitely <laughs> we don't have the, the right DNA or biology for whatever turns this thing on. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting field because I've talked to people who you know, are taken on board fairly regularly. Or have had, you know, a lot of experiences, and every now and then people are taken to the engine room and told how not only how these things work, but how to fly. They're taken to the control room. Okay. And they're taught how to steer these things. So, and and, fly, they... and fly them around. It's weird. I mean, why would the ETs do that? It's not entirely clear. Do you think? Okay. One of well, this is a two-part question. Do you think they engineered our DNA? In other words, they've tinkered with human DNA. And or and or do have they have they have do we have any hybrids or have they produced any hybrids? Uh, that's what the evidence is showing us. I'm, I'm not sure it's entirely conclusive. Okay. But it's sure the more you you're like, oh my god, because you know you go back into history mm -hmm. and you see like there's ancient writings that seem to support that theory, where uh, humans mating with the gods type of thing. Right. You have exactly. Miss, you have missing links, Cro-Magnon, Neanderthal. You have this sudden you know improvement in technology that is absolutely unprecedented after you know 40,000 years of being a caveman last hundred years yeah. suddenly you know like what is going on exactly uh, so uh, I and this is the reports that are coming directly out of you know onboard UFO accounts what I do find interesting is you know the modern age of UFOs is 1947 right right this the super wave sweeps across the US and the world and it really hasn't stopped since. Before that, yeah, there were sightings, but pretty scattered, occasional waves, but not really. Okay. Nothing like what we're seeing today. And okay. certainly, as far as the abduction phenomena, um, not at any level to what we're seeing today. So it's unprecedented in human history, okay. I think, to, to some extent. And uh, right. so, so I think, yeah, the, they're uh, doing another step right now, and the hybrid babies is something I account, something I ran into immediately okay. uh, as soon as I started doing research. Uh, again, before you know, Hopkins pretty much proved that it is going on. Okay. So yeah, I do think they're they're all about genetics. They're all into it. I think the Greys are probably very closely genetically related to us. This is what they've told abductees. Right. Well, the the, the reason why I'm thinking is. Is you know without because of course we only know within our our construct as humans or species on this planet as far as certain animals or certain things being able to mate they have to be compatible on a genome level so I'm thinking to myself okay right. if there's any hybridization maybe we were tinkered with so that's why we're compatible in in order in order to produce a hybrid 
Otherwise, it, there's no way to make that work, you know? You, you know, you kind of, yeah. when you think of it within our understanding, that's the thing. We're kind of limited with that. Yeah, apparently there is lots of secret genetic works going on that we don't hear about in like areas like Area 51 and other places. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we're probably far more advanced than it's publicly known. And as far as the ET, they could be very advanced. Who knows what they could put together? Let me uh, ask you something. And, genetic, and, and I, this is and this is something you know I've heard about and makes me wonder. You know, we always think of like what you said, the government and the government has all this information. But I'm also thinking, do you think any private corporations out there have basically gotten the one up on the government? You know, because they've got the deep yeah. pockets. Let's face it, they could put a yeah. lab anywhere. I think that's exactly what we're looking at. Well, we know for sure that the higher levels of the Navy, Army, and Air Force, U.S. and other mm -hmm. countries, do have access to this information and hardware. Okay. Uh, but um, there was it MacArthur who warned us about the military-industrial complex. Yes. Um, yes. And, and yeah, the banking industries, the oil industries, the insurance industries, Monsanto. All these guys are on my naughty list. Yes. The answer to your question is for sure. Right. Um, in other words, they, they're not waiting to get an OK from the government. They they want to be the ones that have power over whatever discoveries, whatever it is, and basically be like equal partners with with the government. Yeah, I mean, we'll look at the state of our planet in terms of economics. We had all these countries going bankrupt and yeah. the, the greed yeah. that's choking yes. our planet. So there are obviously evil forces at work here. <laughs> Well, no, yeah, of course, and and, and it, it where you ask yourself, well, how much is too much or enough or whatever the case might be, and it it, it makes you wonder if you know yeah, I think part you... of their their thing is just to watch how we do work this out. Um, there does seem to be a little bit of a laissez-faire attitude on the part of the ETs. Uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking Star Trek Prime Directive <laughs> mentality here. You know. <laughs> The, uh, you know, let them work it out. We don't want to interfere, which I think is too late for that. But yeah, it makes you wonder how much of it they are observing us. In other words. Uh, well, I or... know they do intervene. They do yeah. intervene on many cases. I wrote a book called uh, The Healing Power of UFOs. It's my latest okay. book, actually. And that covers 300 cases of people who are physically healed as a result of a UFO encounter of you name it. Um, I've got like 60 injury cases, you know, okay. cuts. Bruises, broken legs, arms, broken neck, this type of thing. Wow. Uh, but be, beyond that, um, colds. Well, let uh, me ask something. Were they, were they visited? Were they taken up? How, how did this, how, how were they healed? How was this, these people um, healed? It falls into a number of different categories. A number of people get a visit in their bedroom. Okay. Um, usually at night. A number of people are just driving around in their car or walking around and they're hit by a beam of light or a UFO flies over them. Okay. Uh, I would say the majority, about 50% uh, of the cases, uh, people are actually taken on board a craft, particularly if it's a serious condition they're being treated for. Okay. Uh, and I mean, I've got 40 cases of people cured of cancer, um, 15 of t tumors being removed, a bunch of eye, people's eyes, uh, their eyesight being improved, uh, dental work, <laughs> uh, dip, you know, serious diseases like diphtheria. AIDS, tuberculosis, mm -hmm. diabetes. Um, it's some tremendous evidence and it really shows a really positive side to the ETs. And I know it sounds, I know it sounds like 
science fiction, but I've got cases from every major researcher, pretty much. Bud Hopkins, John Mack, David Jacobs, Barbara Lamb, Yvonne Smith. I could go on. Yeah, because I know Yvonne Smith, I know she did back in the 90s, a lot of hypnosis, uh, regressing abductees as far as their experiences. She was one of the first ones that really started looking at, you know, those hidden memories that people had. Yeah. Yeah, she's an amazing researcher. I really like her. Now, what do you think? Okay, let's say go down. Let's go down that road. Like you're saying, this is the positive. You've you've gotten all this research. What do you think is going on? Let's say when they these cattle mutilations and things like this, which is kind of scares people because it's like, why are they doing this? Is that some a different type of ET you think that's doing that? Yeah, you know, I, I did look into this because I wrote UFOs over Colorado and UFOs over New Mexico, and they are the hardest hit in the United States. Right. So I looked into it, and it was really puzzling because, uh, yeah, there's a definite UFO connection. Um, there's not a whole lot of really direct stories of who's doing this or why. Um, there's some speculation that uh, what the ETs are doing is harvesting genetic material. Okay. Uh, which they use for whatever reason to produce babies, probably. Or perhaps they're uh, testing levels of pollution and radiation. That's been brought up. Okay. Uh, there, are, there are black helicopters, though. There does seem to be a government factor to some of this. Okay. Uh, but as far as you know, what's doing it, I mean, the technology used is beyond what we officially have, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, some of these things are like found in the tops of trees, the cattle, I mean. Right, yeah, I know. I know that they, there's been so many, you know, they tell you, that, you know, from uh, predators, you name it. It's like all these weird theories. and But some of them, it's like, okay, that, that none of that is explained by normal stuff. When I say normal, no. as in natural. Yeah, and it's mostly cattle, but the truth is this occurs all over the world and with all kinds of animals, and there are a few mm -hmm. scattered human Yes. mutilation cases so yeah that's alarming to say the least um and just like any like humans i mean i think what we're looking at is a bell curve of behavior and uh not all ets are going to be friendly I, right i think you'd be terrible to think so it's a wide universe out there oh yeah and this is why i was saying is it the same ones you know maybe we have ones like you said that are more how can I say, if not the friendliest, but at least they're just into observation. They're not into hurting. And there's others that might not be the same. I mean, just like there's different scientific methods out yeah. there by humans. Well, if, I mean, here's one case from Constance Clear, who is a Midwestern researcher. She interviewed this guy named, God, I think it was Andrew from Texas. Okay. Who was having all these phobias and stuff, just having a real hard time because of apparent abduction experiences and missing time. Didn't have a whole lot of conscious memories, but finally went under hypnosis and recalled fairly horrific medical experiments uh, most of the time. He was healed twice, once of kidney stones and once of a mole. But, you know, by and large, he, it was unpleasant for him. Right. And uh, he finally had this one experience uh, where he's abducted and he's talking to one of the greys, it was a grey, it was a female grey, the commander of the ship, she said. Okay. And she says, I'm, she says, I'm the commander and I'm the only female to have ever reached this rank. Okay. Which I thought was interesting because that proved to me that there is uh, sexual discrimination among the grey population. Right, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> um, and, uh, she, and she says, well, we're done, you know, thank you 
for being a part of this project and aren't you happy? Um, we're so happy, aren't you happy? And he's like, well, no, I'm mad as hell. Right. And she's, she's like, you are, what's mad and what's hell? And that's when he realized they didn't understand. And right. he proceeded to explain, you know, what anger was. And she's like, oh, you know, we do have a lot of trouble with human emotions. Right. Uh, so, so I think a lot of times people are being contacted by what amounts to a police force, you know, or a, a medical expert or a tourist, perhaps. Or so right. they come in with different varying agendas. And sometimes it's not friendly because these guys have a job to do. Right. And exactly. uh, they don't have time. They don't have time for niceties. Where I have to tell you, I've talked to people who've had very friendly experiences, and they're invited on board, and they're talked to, and everything's very friendly and amazing. Right, and then there's others that have, and I've heard the other, the totally, the separate, you know, that there's some that it's like never again. Like they feel very invaded and, and violated, for lack of a better word, but you yeah, know, I, by what was done to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one lady, I didn't interview her directly. Um, but for that healing book, she had an experience where she had a gallstone. And she was going to have to have her whole entire gallbladder removed because that's what they do. Okay. When in walks these ETs, well, she doesn't remember. She just wakes up the next morning and she's got this scar. Okay. Her, and the, the gallstone is removed. And uh, somebody operated on her in the middle of the night. And she knows it was UFO related because she's had you know, UFO experiences. Okay. She, was pretty, she was pretty upset even though they healed her. Because she's like, well, some, I just don't want people coming in to my house and operating on me without my permission. Right. Oh, but at uh, least she got she got some benefit out of it, in a way. Right. If you want to so, look at it that way, it's like, it's like, okay, just don't do that again. And that's the yeah. thing that you, I wonder, you know, that's another thing. These people that have these experiences, how do you ever know? Is was this the last time? Is this ever going to happen again? Whenever? Yeah. One lady I talked to, she's like, gosh, you know, I'm 60. Eight, I forget what she said, you know, late 60s, and they still keep abducting me. I wish it would just stop. You know, what do they want? Right, she, exactly. You know, because they were using her to have, you know, babies and hybrid babies and eggs. Okay. And uh, they were still taking her. Right. Uh, I've heard also of certain bloodlines that, like, it's a family thing. Like, there's families that get abducted. For so. sure. Yeah, I, I run into that a lot, but not always. You know, there was one really? lady I talked to. Yeah, it just comes out of the blue. Here's a case that I wrote about in one of my books. Uh, this lady I worked with, actually, her name is Connie. She walks in, and I had a little gray statue, a statue of a gray okay. on my desk. Someone had just given it to me. And uh, she screams when she sees it. And she's like, oh, what's that? I'm like, well, what do you think it is? You know, that's a gray alien. She's like, I saw one of those. And she told me this story about when she had just had her son. He was a week old. She's sleeping in her, the master bedroom with her husband. Her son is by the picture window in the master right. bedroom. It's a huge window. You can't open it. It's fixed to the wall. Right. And she wakes up, Connie, in the middle of the night. She hears this squeaky sound, like someone rubbing on glass, and uh, looks and sees this gray E.T. trying to get to her baby. And it's oh. looking at the mobile above the crib. It's looking at her baby. And then it sees that Connie is, you know, sat up and is... And they lock gazes, and she is thrown back onto her bed with this force. Okay. Um, she's not sure. And paralyzed, and she's crying. She can't scream out, but she can feel her tears going down the side of her head there. And this ET tries to open the window, which can't be opened. You know, it okay. doesn't open. 
And uh-huh. uh, you know, usually, usually I hear craze. They they just walk through. The wall. You know, they just come around whatever they want. You know, this one couldn't figure it out. It was very weird, and it had little sucker cups on its fingers, little suction oh, cups. Oh my god. Which is very yeah. rare, but I do hear it. Yes, yes, <laughs> it I did, have heard of that. Just a weird case, and finally it walks off, and Connie wakes up. She screams, you know. She grabs her baby. She tells her husband. He's like, "You had a nightmare." She says, "No, I didn't." Right. You know, that morning she leaves. She's out, she goes stays with her mom. She I says, bet. "I'm not coming back into the house." She says, "I'm not coming back to the house unless you buy two guard dogs." Okay. <laughs> Which she did, and uh, but and they just stayed there for another few months, and she couldn't. She's like, no, "We have to leave. You know, I can't stay here." Yeah. She'd never had a UFO experience. Nothing in her childhood. No one in her family had. Yes. Her son, you know, who the ET was interested in, hasn't. You know, he's now full grown. Right. He's, a, he's an executive at uh, Pepsi, I think it is. Well, no, but but exactly, it's like she was. That's that's one of the hallmarks when you see this person is not like you know. Even as time goes by, you you still have that fear, that overriding fear. I got to protect my kid and myself. Yeah. Well, I I don't blame her at all because it's her, it's her baby, of one course. week old. And, and oh. what I found is they have an absolute graze in particular attraction to reproduction because okay. this lady comes into the office. She was a new hire and she found out, you know, that I am a UFO investigator. Okay. And she's like, oh, the weirdest thing happened to me, you know, and I was nine months pregnant. I, I was, you know, due to have my baby or eight. I forget. It was like she was due. Right. Okay. And she's driving down La Cienega Boulevard here in L.A., which is a very crowded street. And this was about, you know, early evening, uh, dusk. And uh, suddenly she notices there are no cars around her at all, which is impossible. It's just flat out not going to happen. And she's trying to figure that out when this grapefruit-sized orb of light starts rotating around her car in front of her windshield. Oh, and she's like, Preston, do you think it was interested in my baby? And I'm like, well, yeah, yes. I do. Because I keep seeing that exact type of thing. Um, right. they, come, they come right before you're about to have your baby, right um, after you've had your baby. Right, and these are from people that don't know each other. And you're getting the same, being told the same thing playing out. It's too much coincidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. one lady I talked to, she was pregnant with twins. There's a twin thing in this phenomenon that's very interesting. Okay. That keeps turning up. And uh, she was pregnant with twins, and one died in utero. Okay. Um, and the chances of the other one surviving, the doctor told her, were you know, probably not going to happen. One in a million. One in five million, actually, is what they told her. Okay. And uh, so she was really worried. And yeah. this UFO starts landing next to her house regularly, and she's getting pulled on board. The ETs okay. were very, very interested in her pregnancy. Okay. So this is another case where they're you know, interested in reproduction, particularly yes. a, a very unusual case. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah, this is some, yeah, we want to see it as it's happening, in other words. Yeah, when she went to the doctor, you know, the, the nurse is like, you know, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but your lab, your lab reports are being sent to some government agency. Oh, I would have been reading out big time. What? See? I'd be like, what? I know another couple, they contacted me because they... So much for HIPAA laws, huh? (laughs) Right? Another couple I talked to on the East Coast, uh, 
they were, were pregnant. You know, she was pregnant, fully right. full on six, I think it was seven months when she lost her pregnancy. Wow. Due, due to a UFO experience. Um, the baby disappeared. What? The fetus. And this is a, a missing fetus syndrome, which usually happens at like three months, maybe two yeah. months, one uh-huh. month. Yeah. Uh, but it does turn up. And she had it at, at six or seven months and uh, was having a lot of trouble get, getting health care at that time because she okay. was an immigrant. Okay. And, uh, and couldn't get decent health care until this happens. And suddenly, but boy, are they interested in her case. And she's getting pushed up to the highest hospitals of various and getting all kinds of amazing care because and she's thinking they, yeah how did this go how, how did this happen yeah. all of a sudden i become so interesting <laughs> right right and you know what the weirdest thing is you know they were like totally okay with this they were a young couple really cute you know very, very progressive liberal and we're like yeah et's took our baby and I, I hope it's in a good place i'm like well yeah i i mean I hope so, that. so. I I'm sorry. Uh, uh, no, I wouldn't be good with that. ET or not? No, that that would not be. No, I'd I'd be a, a nerve. I don't know how. I'd re- That's a very difficult thing to do or to handle, especially in such an advanced state in the pregnancy. Oh man! I mean, one guy I talked to, he was you know a, a gentleman, a nurse, had repeated abduction experiences and was really upset about it. It was very traumatic in his life. Mm-hmm. And finally, you know, the Greys come and. And he has a fully conscious encounter where he's taken on board. And they said, "We, you need to know why we contacted you. And here's why. This is your child, you know. And uh, isn't he beautiful? And the guy was like, oh, my God, yes. But he was, inst- you know, very attracted to his child. At the same moment, re- utterly repulsed by, because it didn't look normal. And very angry at the ETs. Talk for- about a Maury Povich moment. <laughs> right. yeah. guess what you're the father you're the father uh yeah, well, man let me tell you something how do you get over something like that uh, he had a he had ptsd actually I bet. I bet and uh was pretty upset because he's now knows he's got this child on a spaceship which sounds crazy but look at it this way when someone is taken on board a UFO, and we know this abduction phenomenon is real, the single most common thing that people describe is being physically examined and having reproductive material removed. I wouldn't guess. I mean, I guess that there's humans up there being raised on UFOs, utterly human. And well, I think it makes that, you think, is it their interest? Is it because they have a fertility problem? For sure. Um, they have said that. They've got a, they said that they have gen- damaged their genetics, and this comes from, gosh, a dozen at least, independent accounts. The Greys have said that their genes have become damaged through a chemical war or nuclear war or some sort of disaster. There's variations. Okay. Okay. And uh, that they did once look human and are essentially human. So, I mean, there you go. Let me ask you, do you think think the theory that some of these ETs basically travel inter or intradimensionally versus... You know, we always think of it in space as in linear space or light years, for example. Do you think that maybe how they're traveling is interdimensionally versus from yeah. another planet? Or maybe from another planet, but they found a way to do it via dimensions? Um, well, I mean, there are some theories that the, the, some of the greys at least are time travelers. And you can mm-hmm. march out a number of cases to support that. 
But I am a believer, after having been in this field for a long time, mm-hmm. that I'm hearing about these metallic spaceships with little chairs in them and controls. And these are physical ships. These are physical bodies that, you know, I believe we're dealing with ETs in the classic sense, for the okay. most part. Uh, I know there are researchers out there like Jacques Vallée and Lauren Coleman and mm-hmm. um, others who kind of say, you know, this is not necessarily ET. <laughs> Um, this could be wearing a mask and as an intelligence taking on different forms and that things like Bigfoot and ghosts and religious miracles and fairies. Right, right. I mean, I, I know that Jacques Vallée, for and, example, the sightings at Fatima, he right. was saying that, you know, what the children saw and then what everybody saw with the sun, the disc and everything was really an extraterrestrial visitation versus a religious one. Perhaps. I think there's probably some, you know, misidentification going on, but I do mm-hmm. believe we're dealing with separate phenomena. Okay. Um, I don't believe it. I don't believe uh, ETs are demons. I looked into that. I don't believe they're angels. Okay. The, the, the literature on angels is very compelling, as is, you know, on demons. Mm-hmm. They're separate phenomena, as is a near-death experience. It's right. not the same thing, which has similarities to a UFO abduction, for okay. sure, but, but they're not the same. We're right. dealing with classic ETs from other planets who do have the ability to travel interdimensionally and have an understanding of the other side, the astral realms and the causal realms and, you know, that we don't. And and apparently have the ability to move through into other dimensions because they can shrink their ships. They can expand their ships. They can become invisible. They can... Right. And this is the long lines that I'm thinking that, you know, which might account like why sometimes they can disappear so quickly or, you know, just different sightings that we can't explain if it was basically we, 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 they disappear in other words, or they come through out of nowhere, that kind of thing. Yeah. We don't know quite where they're from, do we? I mean, the Betty and Barney Hill said they were from Zeta Reticula mm-hmm. and we got some cases that support that. Um, but, Generally, they're really tight. They don't talk about where they're they come from. They're like, "Oh, we're from a place you don't know about yet," or "You wouldn't understand," or "It's it's not important." <laughs> Something right. I heard. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're kind of coy and evasive, and perhaps understandably, considering we're violent and we do have access to te- technology to go to other star systems, apparently in military hands right now. Wow. Now so, that's yeah. a mind bender right there. Like. Yeah, and you know Not what? A- and sometimes it. Don't get me wrong. I'm very much for technology and advancement in technology, but sometimes I feel that the people that basically have that knowledge can it, it, it might get away from them. In other words, and in other words, and then everybody gets, for lack of a better word, screwed over, and we have nothing to do with it because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But they get overly ambitious. I guess is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that's exactly the situation we're looking at. But we are seeing disclosure, and I do sympathize with you know, the people who are in this situation and want to disclose, because I think there is a certainly a faction that do want this information out, who are in control of it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be seeing any disclosure. And uh, what we're not seeing is you know whistleblowers being viciously attacked. Not really. Okay. Uh, there's some of that, for sure. So I'm pretty hopeful that this is, is going to roll out. And it's to our government's benefit to do so, because if they don't, 
They are liars, <laughs> and, and it, liars aren't trusted, and people will lose all respect, and yes. they will lose power because you, you can't you know, ha expect people to obey authority if authority is lying, <laughs> and it's not going to happen. Well, you know what? I, I always think of... Uh, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, wh what is it that they could think? Let, you know, okay, everybody will have a meltdown and the economy will collapse because people will just sit at home. And, and I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I don't think so. I think people will take about 24 to 48 hours, have a lot of stiff drinks. You know, of course, there's always going to be the extremists, which is the end of the world. And then the other, the rest of humanity will turn around and say, okay, tell us everything. Okay, what are we dealing with? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think we're going to see open official disclosure until we have less wars until we mm -hmm. kind of come together as a species, because um, we're really divisive right now, which is, I think, an interesting symptom of oh. us, us suddenly recognizing the level of corruption throughout but the world. But you know what, Preston, you want to get, you want to see everybody get together real quick? <laughs> Disclose about UFOs. Everybody then. Yeah. We, it's going to be a worldwide kumbaya moment. I'm telling you right now. I think so. <laughs> it's like... What? I don't have a problem with any other country about anybody, about anything. Forget it. That will make all of us, as in humans, like against the what? Yeah. Yeah. And disclosure is not going to work if they just start showing us little films and no. pilot testimonies and or a piece of metal, which is the rumor that's coming up. But like, look, here's a piece of Roswell metal. Yeah, I know. Um, but what we need is the spacecraft and the bodies. You and until you do that... People don't care. Or they're not going to care. Let me ask you, do you think, because I've heard also the theory that Roswell was a decoy and that's something, and not, not that the, the crash and a recovery body didn't take place. It did, but there wasn't Roswell and Roswell was just like a decoy. What, what have you heard about that? Is there any truth to that theory? No, no, none at all. Roswell is the granddaddy case of UFO okay. cases. We know for sure it happened because we've... All, you know, the, there's been a lot of researchers who've contributed to it mm -hmm. have, and have basically interviewed people from the who saw this object coming down, who tracked it on the radar scopes, who went to the ranch, who lived on the ranch, who guarded the crash site, who carried the metal, who okay. flew the metal, who analyzed the metal. So basically what we're saying is we've tracked every step of what's gone on with the Roswell case. It's been very well investigated. It absolutely did happen. Uh, it may not have been a crash in the classic sense. I think mm -hmm. it was. But okay. some people have pointed a very curious fact out is that ETs can shut off whole neighborhoods. They can okay. paralyze people. They can, they're very in control. Um, they could easily have recovered that themselves, is what some people are saying. Um, but was it a gift to us? I'm not so sure that it would have been so easy. Um, but a, gosh, I wonder about that. Why are there so many UFO crashes? Are they feeding us technology? Or also we might be assuming that because they might be advanced that they're infallible and they might not be infallible. Yeah, they might. there's no evidence that they're actually smarter than us. Maybe just more uh, an older society. Yes, exactly. More, more technologically advanced, for sure. Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah, the UFO... The Roswell is absolutely a real case. It's not the only one that happened at that time. There was a cluster of crashes in 1947 over New Mexico. Um, this is, you know, where we do a lot of atomic research, White mm -hmm. Sands, the Holloman, right. and uh, UFOs are very attracted to that. And uh, there's been all kinds of UFO activity going on over White Sands from the beginning, including UFO crashes of all kinds. 
What do you think about this movement that's going on right now? They're going to storm Area 51. What do you think about that? Is that going to be a wise thing to do or not? Yes, I think it's wise because it lets people know that there is a force in government and the most powerful force is the people. Mm-hmm. When an idea's time has come, right? Right. You know, you can, the president is powerful, sure. Congress is powerful. No, but it's us, uh, yeah. I uh, um, but ultimately, it is the people who control things. Yes. And, and if you get, when an idea's time has come, yeah. nothing is going to stop it. Whether it's the civil rights movement or the Me Too movement or whatever. Right, um, right. Well, and the thing and, is that you always hear that the security around this area is so tight and so rigid and aggressive, for lack of a better word. It's like, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, I wouldn't want anybody to get hurt. Yeah, well, I think probably what's going to happen is uh, some people are going to show up because it has gained traction. Yeah. It started out as a joke, but um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. so, so, but it gained traction for a good reason because people are mad as, you know, and they're not going to take it anymore. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of feeling behind this phenomena and the cover-up, and people are sick of it. Yes. And so we're going to see, I don't know how many people, hundreds, thousands, maybe more, okay. and I don't think they're going to run in Area 51. No, they will be shot, and that's not going to get to that level, obviously. If it did, that would be incredible to me. I know. I, I can't know, imagine that happening. But I do think there might be a confrontation. And yeah. I hope the press is there, of and I course. hope the message. Yeah, I mean, isn't this great? Let's get this subject. Let's get this subject. People talking about it. It's an important subject. Right. You may think, think, you know, people say, ah, oh, you know, I've never seen a UFO. It doesn't affect my life. Well, I got news for you. You're probably working nine to five, you know, yeah. fighting for paycheck to paycheck. And when right there, our government has free technology that would change your life. Wouldn't that um, be? We could. We could solve the energy crisis, the economic crisis, and the environmental crisis, and that's what we're going to do, and that's how it's going to roll out. And that, that's the way I'm envisioning it, because that's the well, only way we're going to get out of this. It's the well, only yeah, way. Yeah, I know. I know what I think. I think in a way, people are kind of tired of, you know, disclosure from these people once they've retired. In other words, once they're like, in other words, but they have no, you know, sometimes they have proof, sometimes they don't. But you know, everybody's like, you know, because there's been a slew of people that have actually come forward, like, but once they're They've, they're done, in other words, with their careers. And even then, some right. of them are worried. And I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of different things about people, whistleblowers, that weird things happen to them. Uh, but I think people are beyond that. It's like, like you said, okay, we're enough. We want actual, one way or the other, we want the truth. Yeah, and I think we're getting it. Paul Hellyer, Defense Minister of Canada, Perfect example of what you're talking about. Someone who retired and now it's spilling beans. Mm-hmm. Or Senator Harry Reid, who's you know quite elderly and uh, right. apparently is pushing this subject right now very hard because you know he doesn't want to wait too long. Right. Well, that's for it to the be thing. too late. Yeah. Some of these people basically, I, I don't know what I'm saying, but they, some of them almost have a one foot in the grave, and it, it's worrisome in a way because. They're almost thinking this is the only time it's actually safe for me to come forward and talk about these things, which leads you to believe if they haven't been outright threatened, they know enough about the inner workings of the government or the armed forces, wherever it was that they worked in, to know if I ever talk about this, it's not only me, it's my family or whatever that are at risk. Yeah, I came in this field, I was so naive. 
I had no idea there was cloak and dagger stuff and that people had died. Yes. Um, been yes. killed. Robert Robert Sarbacher, his death was unusual. He he had done disclosure. James Forrestal was talking about disclosing and yes. his death was suspicious. Kennedy, President Kennedy right. is a good example. Uh, yes. So, yeah, and there, people that commit suicide, that it's like really questionable, the circumstances and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, one time, shoot, I was doing my own investigation into the Topanga Canyon UFO wave. Mm -hmm. I was young, you know, I was young, I was, you know, vigorous, full of energy, and I was going door to door. I was putting up flyers. I'd given the police my number. There was this okay. wave of sightings happening right over my community. I was going all out to okay. investigate it. And I got this call and this guy threatens me. He's like, and he starts out, yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm this colonel, you know, and I've got a secret, top secret clearance. And you're, are, are you president, you know, are you investigating UFOs? I'm like, yeah, you know, super excited. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like 24, 24, 45 years old, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, he's like, well, you're barking up, what did he say, he says, what you're doing is dangerous. I'm like, it is. I'm and you're like, like what? And he says, yeah, it's not what you think it is. I'm like, well, what is it? <laughs> and right, he says, exactly. Oh. And he was very evasive and coy, kind of, and just wouldn't answer my question. And he says, and he says there's no pay dirt to it. And I thought to myself, well, hold, let's, hold on a second. Didn't you just say it was dangerous? <laughs> right, Because yeah. those two things are contradictory. And I kind of suddenly realized he was going through the techniques of persuasion to try mm -hmm. to get me off investigating. Yeah. And I was ultimately really kind of excited about it. I believe in life after death. I'm ready, you know, any day is a good day to die. Right. I've you know, had out-of-body experiences. I know there is life after death. Okay. Uh, so I'm ready to, you know, I'm not scared. <laughs> Go ahead, threaten me. Um, I was really excited. I'm going all the way with this. I'm. Uh, is how I felt certainly at that time, and I still kind of feel that way. And what happened? Did, did anything, did you get any other phone calls? No, I didn't, but I did have weird stuff happen. I did. And, uh, like, like, like uh, I would do interviews. I'd finally get someone on of a good case. And I'd mm -hmm. call them up, and they'd be on the other. I, you could hear this tick, 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 and all this static. I'm like, what the heck? And the person is like, what's going on with your phones? And I'd be like, I don't know. I had a lot of phone problems. I did. Yeah, like and this. my mail. This is back in the days when they didn't have email. Yes. Uh, I was sent. I would. I got a hundred articles published in various magazines. I was sending them out. I was, you know, sending all my stuff out and interviewing people. And and my UFO mail came back opened more often than not. To the really? point where, yeah, where I'm like going up to my mailbox. My sister was with me this time. It's a locked mailbox, by the way. Uh huh. And. Uh, in a secure condo complex, which is where I lived at that time. Okay. And I'm like, you open my mailbox, Victoria. You open it and you tell me what you think of my mail. Because I knew there was going to be stuff coming back to me daily because there was. I was very active. Okay. And, but sure enough, I'm, the letter was opened. I'm like, does that look open to you? I mean, she's like, yeah, you should do something. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Against who? Like, who are you going to accuse, right? I mean, yeah, so there was. There was that, and which is still just barely enough. Like, hmm. And uh, did have, you know, I'd speak about the subject. I once had a heckler dressed up in a government suit. I was about to say, no men in black? <laughs> did you ever yeah, have Yeah, kind of. I mean, okay. there was that guy, and, and he's like clearly 
a debunker. You know, he was there to okay. try and make me look like an idiot. And I'm like, and he's like, it's a weather phenomenon. What you're talking about is a weather phenomenon. And I schooled him. I let him know that, you know, weather phenomena, I can't do this, that, and that, and, that, and so on. It was a big case that I was talking about, the Topanga Canyon wave. But you know what? It makes you think yeah. most people, to me, my understanding is most people that don't believe in it, they just stay home. You know, it's like, okay, that crazy guy. Yeah. In other words, for, when you see that much, how can I say, attempt to actually physically go somewhere and try to heckle somebody, like you said, it's almost like, wait a minute. So yeah, he, if, he knew that. This was a real phenomenon. That was my right, impression. Right, right, right. believe in it. Yes, that's exactly where I'm going with this. That normally yeah. most people who don't believe it, for whatever reason, everybody's got, you know, that's their prerogative. They sit home and go, oh my, that guy's crazy. Okay, all right. I'll just, you know, they don't think about it. Right. But when you see that much effort yeah, that being would, put I, like into I, I, it. I remember once I was at a convention and at my table selling books and people come up, they share their stories. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. And this guy dressed up in these government guys got a certain look, you know, they're pretty slick. Okay. And this guy's comes sauntering up thinking he's, you know, top banana, super cool. And he's got his mirrored sunglasses type, type thing. I don't think I actually had mirrored sunglasses, but that effect, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, hair perfectly quaffed. <laughs> and I was like, so what do you got? You know, what, what, what hot case is? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. I just, I just had the feeling he was a government guy. Right. And I was, and I was getting some hot cases, you know, and I was talking to some military witnesses. And I think, I don't know if I was ruffling feathers or not. I don't well, know. Well, you know, think about it. You, they're, but, they're probably trying to get access to stuff that you have pre-writing of an article or a book. In other words, what you write, they already know about it. It's, okay, what's he working on now? Yeah. And I'm perfectly willing to talk. I, I mean... My, I'm pretty much an open book. My research, it's why I'm doing it. I am compelled to let people know that this is real so they don't have to go through what I went through, which is finding out that this is real. Right. Well, well and, and that's the thing that for a lot of people that, like I say, I, I tell people, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have had experience, but they feel very isolated because they kind of almost fear that they're not going to be believed, that they're going to be made fun of, or in some cases, even depending on what job they have, that it might damage their career or their job, how they make a living. So I think that when they're able to talk to somebody, let's say like yourself, you know, even if let's say they say, look, this has got to remain anonymous. It's got to be a load off of their shoulders, especially maybe when you turn around, you say, you know what? I've heard of similar things like what you've described. Yeah, some, sometimes they start crying. My uh -huh. heart goes out to them. Yes. And uh, people are sometimes will tell me, like, oh, I haven't told a single person. Yes. I haven't told my wife. I believe this that. This sort of thing. I and, believe uh, that. So it's heartbreaking for some of these well, people. Well, no, to... you know, everybody thinks sometimes that people out there are running around. Everybody wants to tell their story. And you'd be surprised. I think there's a lot of people, a Most lot, don't, that you know. don't want to talk about it. They yeah, don't. I've... I have trouble convincing. Well, these days, you know, I just interviewed this lady. I'm like, can I use your name? Her name was Melody. Mm -hmm. And uh, she saw these ETs. She had five other people with her. And she was like, yeah, you can use my name. Last name, Corn, K-O-R-N. <laughs> had this amazing encounter at Point Elementary School in, in Missouri. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm working on a new book right now, Schoolyard Encounters. Wow. 
Okay. And it's so cool. And is it something that this... happened to her, like as an as when she was a student there? Is that what happened with her? Yeah, yeah, at elementary school. And what I've found is there's a very famous case in Zimbabwe, uh, in Rua, Zimbabwe, where a UFO landed next to a school. I've heard of that. And, and aliens came out in 1994. Turns out there's about five or six really well-known cases just like that. You know, one in Australia, one in Florida one in Wales and uh, I started looking into it because I got my own case and I found a bunch of them I found a hundred so this is a new book I'm putting together and it's so amazing because half of these cases are over elementary schools makes you wonder is it, is it makes you wonder is it children in general or is it that there's certain students that are there that they're keeping their eye on I'm thinking it's children in general. Okay. Um, because the, it's just so widespread over schools. Okay. And uh, generally speaking, the everyone's seeing it. You know, there, there are cases where people, you know, are there's just a few students seeing it, and they do have experiences later on. So maybe they are targeted there, and it just happens to be at school. <gasps> uh, but yeah, seem, they seem to be interested in children, particularly very young children, because I mean, half the cases. And 30, get this, this is amazing. 30% of the cases are landings or humanoids coming out. It's wow. a lot. Yes, that is. In other words, right? this is not like a far off light in the sky somewhere. No, typical sighting is a light darting across the sky, maybe hovering. Uh -huh. It's, you know, five, ten thousand 10,000 feet up and it zips off and it's nighttime. Right. The typical schoolyard sighting is it's daytime. It's about a hundred, you know, a hundred feet up, maybe fifty feet, maybe landing. Um, okay. It do doesn't last for a few seconds. It lasts five minutes. It's ten minutes, an hour, two hours, over a period of days. Um, so wow. these are not normal encounters by any means. What do you think, yeah. Preston, about the the that some people say there's a correlation with UFO sightings and sightings of cryptids? Do you think there's any merit to that? Or I do. Okay. Yeah, because um, I've looked into, I, I've written about Bigfoot, done a bunch of Bigfoot research. Didn't want okay. to, because okay. I knew I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to find out it's real, and do I really <laughs> want to get into this? And sure, sure enough, you know, I, I, it was real. Okay. The evidence is absolutely overwhelming. But mm -hmm. I have to tell you, Bigfoot, although being seen pr pretty much every state in the United States, all over the world, goes by different names. Right. Almost, almost all of them do not involve UFOs. They just don't. Right. And for that matter, most UFO sightings, the vast majority, over 99%, don't involve cryptids. But there's that 1% where they perfectly intersect, and it's not coincidental because it's right. cr a crazy intersection where people like see these things uh, working next to aliens or right. inside the UFO or... Um, after or right before during. Right. Uh, so, like one guy I talked to, he had a, up in Canyon Country, California here, had a UFO land in his backyard. Next day, he had a Bigfoot encounter in the same place. That's just too see, weird. And, and, that's, and, and that's what I'm talking about. Even where it's not that they see them together, but it's almost like somebody, when they look at, like, okay, we have a spate of UFO sightings. But it just correlates with a spate of cryptid sightings at the same time, and Maybe it's almost it's a like portal. right, right. That's that's what I was thinking. That um, something a is. Or 
the veil has become thin there or a portal or an electromagnetic energy, a vortex, or just maybe the UFO opened it, did something. Well, maybe when it comes through it, you know, like when things come through with you, you know, you in that window of time that maybe that portal opens, things slip through. And I, I think also that might explain really weird cryptids that historically have been seen besides, let's say, uh, a Bigfoot type thing, other unusual cryptids that maybe you'll have hundreds of people in an area say they saw and then it disappears. It's like maybe a three or four month period and then it's gone. And it makes yeah. you think, did it go back? Was it able to, you know, another portal opened up and it was able to slip back and that's why all the sightings stopped. Right, like the chupacabra. There was a big wave of those and that kind of right. faded away. Right. And or they... maybe we're not hearing about it because, you know, waves come in, are partly due to publicity. Someone yes. coming forward and then someone else saying, hey, I saw that on that same night. And then another person has the courage to tell their encounter. And then suddenly people are saying, oh, there's a wave of sightings happening. Well, no, it's been going on the whole time. It's just right. that this brave person here came forward and talked i don't think that that's entirely true i think that waves are a real phenomena but that effect is something to consider Um, people don't realize though sometimes contrary to what sometimes there is a certain stigma let's say with coming forward and saying saying i saw this because and let's face it you're the person that's going to stay living there with these neighbors that now are looking at you you're thinking like (laughs) what you know what's up with this person so that's when you think twice, do I really want to talk about, you know, say anything about what I saw? Right. Nah, which, nah, which is the so. problem, which is the problem with our scientists and our political leaders. Remember Dennis Kucinich said he saw a UFO? Um, he was a political candidate. He saw a UFO. I rem- that was the end of that. That was it. <laughs> well, we had, as yeah. a matter of fact, in this last, um, these midterms, we God, what was the office she was running for? I can't remember. I think she was going to be a senator. She was, she, um, she's amongst her, that she said that she had had a UFO sighting and man, her opponent used that really a lot against her. Like making her sound like she was not too well, you know, like, okay, yeah, this person claims that she's seen a UFO. That was it. And it was like, man, that was a stupid thing to do. I hate to say it, but you gave your yeah, opponent a lot know. of ammunition. Jimmy Carter survived it. He saw a UFO. No, I know, uh, but it, as governor. you know what? And maybe it's because that person, that she didn't couch it the right way. But I can tell you, looking at it from an observation point of view, she, it, it was used in a bad way against her as a candidate. It really was. It really was. And it was like, man. So unfortunate. I know. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I into this. A lot of political leaders have seen UFOs. There was a former president of Mexico, a President of Brazil, I think, um, several senators, representatives, governors who've seen UFOs. Governor uh, Fife Symington is one. Uh, he saw the Phoenix Lights. Governor Gilligan of Illinois, he saw a UFO. Uh, Senator Russell of Kansas, or no, not Kansas, of Virginia, I believe it was. He saw a UFO. And you better and believe there's thought- a bunch more that probably have seen it and said, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that. No. You know, or their advisors tell them, shut up, whatever you do, quiet, don't ever talk about that again. Yeah, I hope it comes up during this uh, upcoming election. It should be interesting to see. Uh, let me that... tell you something. And sometimes I... It, it, it won't. It won't. Plus, and sometimes I, I wonder, really, 
Okay, do we have the super secret squirrel level of government, which are really the people that know? And it's not the public, the ones that the public know about. These are people behind the scenes that we don't know who they are, what department they are, okay, that are really the ones that pull the strings when it has anything to do with extraterrestrials and UFOs and things like that. Yeah, but it appears that we do have a situation where there are people within government in the House of Representatives and the Senate Mm -hmm. who are aware of this phenomena and do interface with the so-called secret government, which right. is a real thing. Right. There, there is a large underground complex. You know, it's not just Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado. Uh, you know, Area 51 goes underground. Edwards Air Force Base goes underground. There's a lot of underground stuff that we don't hear about. Right. Uh, and uh, definitely there's all kinds of scientific work and money being pushed into this subject uh, oh, sure. that is absolutely secret. Oh, sure. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. But how can I say, I think that there's been, there's players in there have, that have been there for years. In other words, that they're really the ones that we, if we saw them or we heard their names, we wouldn't know who they were. Yep, I totally agree. There's people who live very different lives than us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Um, have levels of technology that are mind-blowing. For instance... We know that uh, we've got crashed UFOs. Mm -hmm. Well, the technology taken from UFOs is not just like magnetic motors. It's healing technology. Wow. People have reported being healed by laser-like instruments. Well, we've got those, and there are people who are using that. Uh, you know, it, it would be horrible to think that because there's more money being made out of treating an illness versus curing it, that they would let people, you know, basically suffer because there's more money in treatment than there is in curing. Yeah, that's why healthcare in our country is going through such upheavals right now. And uh, I think that we should release this UFO technology. Yeah. And if they, want to, if they want to charge us, fine. If you want to keep us poor, fine. Just let us live. <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me ask you, though. I, who was it the other day I was talking? I said, what was the last thing that you heard that was cured? I said before they cured polio, they cured TB, they cured a bunch of really serious diseases. I said, what was the last thing that you heard that we had a cure for? Not treatment, a cure. Huh. And I said, right. it's been a really long time. And back then, when these cures were found, the medical equipment or, you know, or the laboratory equipment was much more primitive than what we've got now. Okay, We did not have an understanding of the genome, of all the other stuff that we have now, CRISPR, blah, 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 blah. And they still were coming up with these cures to terminal diseases or stuff like polio that was heartbreaking for people that had it. And I said, what was the last thing that you heard that we had a cure for? And it was like, I think it's what, been, what, 60 years, seven? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I looked into this because, you know, writing a book on healings. Mm -hmm. uh, I, what, one thing I did, which I found really interesting, was to see what, you know, people are dying from. What are the top 10 causes of death right. in the U.S. and the world? And, you know, it's generally heart disease, right. uh, cancer, respiratory disease, mm -hmm. uh, accidents was up there. Uh, I was shocked to find out that the 10th leading cause of death in the United States was suicide. Yes. Um, boy, that and uh, what yeah. I found was uh, that ETs have cured. Every, there's various cases where people have been cured of all the top 10 causes of death, whether wow. it's heart disease, cancer or whatever. So ETs are curing people on a very limited basis, uh, but I think no better than to just cure everyone. Well, but the, uh, it's, uh, but the, 
Uh, it's like uh, everything. It's like all these diseases. Like once upon a time, there was, you know, like the turn of the century, you know, we had tuberculosis running rampant where they built these huge hospitals just to keep these people that were contagious away from the general population. And because at wow. that point, the majority of people, sooner or later, you were going to succumb to it. And they got cured. And so that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, I guess my point is that I, I think that as humans, we do have the power of, through research, you would think, of coming up with cures eventually. But we, what happened, we seem to have come to a standstill with that. Whether we have the knowledge and we're not using it, whether we came up with it on our own, or maybe it was given to us via extraterrestrial. I mean, but still, again, you know, I, I think that's very interesting um, as far as uh, what you were talking about as far as health, what's happening with us as human beings as health-wise. You know, we're always going to have something wrong, depending on genetics and lifestyle, of course, you know. But I think that that there's a, there's a lot more money being made in treating us how's that right and that's a problem for sure obviously yeah because uh yeah. how if if it, if if disease is a business i mean of where does course, that leave yeah. us that's that's exactly not, where i'm going with that yeah yeah not in a good place but no. i'm still hopeful i i am because... oh no no i am i am too I'm, I'm i'm hoping that at some point or you know that that uh you know the value of human life is going to be more important than anything else, which is the way it should be. But that's when you're like very idealistic, <laughs> you know? Well, well, I mean, if you look at generation from generation, what we see yes. is an absolute spiritual progress. Yes. Um, which has been pretty slow, considering we've been around for, you know, supposedly modern humans have been around at least 40,000 years. I think it's probably much longer than that. I'm not mm -hmm. sure we even evolved on this planet. I doubt it. Right. Uh, because we have human theory. looking... Yeah, we've got human-looking ETs. I mean, how would you explain that? Right, exactly. But, but yeah, it does appear that for 40,000 years we've been living in squalor and war and and disease and rose up out of it through the Middle Ages into the Age of Enlightenment. Yeah. This last yes. hundred years, we've done really, really, really well. Yes, yes, um, we so, have. So, I mean, we've what, doubled our lifespan over the past hundred years? Yeah, um, just, just by washing our hands. <laughs> I mean, what, but, well, what I mean by that is the recognition of germs and, you know, and stuff like that and disinfecting stuff. That, that alone was, was killing a lot of people before, a lot. Something and, as simple as that. And if you look at how, if you look at how women were treated throughout human history, well, right yeah. now we're having some amazing revolutions that have never been seen before. Well, you know, before a lot of women would die in childbirth because, just because of that. Because the, 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 the way they were treated during child, you know, they would get fevers because the people that were handling her and the baby was they wouldn't wash their hands something as simple as that believe it or not yeah so now we've got the knowledge we're in a new age um young people are i think are are gonna rescue our planet we're seeing this sort of movement where yeah. these students are walking out of schools uh protesting you know the lack of action to prevent oh, climate change well no you know it's it's so and let's face it, nowadays, uh, at the rate, we're, and that's another thing, you know, lifespans being what they are, it's not like before where people were, you know, the average lifespan was maybe 50, 60, 70, kind of, and that was even then. Now, you know, lifespans are getting longer, you know, and not, and it's like, okay, well, if you're going to, you know, 
unless, you know, of course, accident or maybe some uh, fatal disease, you have a very long life to live on this earth. So you have to think of what is the quality of my life and those around me and for your children. And, you know, it, it's, you, you know, you have to think beyond yourself, in other words, you know, as yeah. far as what's what's going on with, with, with a lot of different things, a lot of different things. In, in terms of longevity, a number of people have told me that they feel the ETs have increased their lifespan. Um, okay. And yeah, made them healthy. One guy, I didn't interview him directly, but I got his story. J Jim Law of Gainesville, Florida, mm -hmm. was having contact with gray ETs. This is so interesting. Okay. Um, he, ha he had this hernia. And he's like, if you're going to abduct me, why don't you cure my hernia? <laughs> Let's make a deal here, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he was talking to him at this point. He'd gotten over a lot of his fear. And uh, they're like, we know the problem of what you speak and we will fix it. <laughs> That's what they said. And they did. They fixed That's it. Great. He's like, wow. You know, can you tell me why you're contacting me? And they yeah. said, yes. We are very interested in your ability, your genetic propensity to live a long time. Really? And that was really interesting to him because he was writing a book about his grandfather who was 115 and still spry and healthy and, you know, doing his thing. Right. No, I had a granduncle that died at 110. And I mean, from what I understand, I think that they say that our human bodies are should last more or less about 125, you know, you know, of yeah. course, there's a lot of different things, but yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see longer than that. I know people have said, oh, you know, there is a limit to human lifespan. But we're looking at ET accounts, and they're like, no, they're 200, 300 years old. Some people have asked, like, you're old. How old are you? you know, 300. And these are wow. generally, you know, not human looking, but uh, well, it's my understanding. Is, the, yeah, the Pleiadians say that right. they live much longer. But then, of course, if you're having a problem, though, with your fertility, that presents a problem, even if you have a longer lifespan. If you can't reproduce, that, that could also be a problem for, you know, in other words, if you have finite right. amount of members of your civilization or species, for example, then who, who cares if you live a long time? You better find a way to reproduce or, in this case, hybridize with something very similar, because otherwise that, that'll be the end of us eventually. Yeah, I, I wonder how numerous the greys are. I have the feeling that just kind of, ba I haven't analyzed it right, but just based on what I've learned, that they're very numerous. And really? There's a lot of them. Um, so as far as them having trouble reproducing, yeah, we hear it all the time. And they, they have trouble because they've over-cloned themselves and do not, generally speaking, sexually reproduce like we do. So, uh, yeah, that's that not cloning, true either. yeah, that copy of a copy, you start losing the... Uh... Yeah, the quality, yeah, the in other quality, words. right? Yeah, that. Yeah, I could see that so, happening. But I feel like there's a lot of um, experiences. It's been going on for, gosh, since 1950s, at least we've got abduction reports, at least dating to the 20s. Um, they're yes. not numerous, but boy, from the 50s onward, it's pretty much nonstop and still going on, by the way. I'm sure I'm sure there's people out there that had abductions. They just did not know how to relate it. Uh, you know, like, how, how, how do I describe this? Especially, like, if, let's say, this was beyond, before the time of, let's say, planes or anything. How do I describe, like, in other words, they kind of, like, you know, talk about wanting to keep it to yourself, but they had no way of relating it. And, of course, nobody was writing about it. Uh, and, you know, what was it when Orson Welles did that War of the Worlds transmission? <laughs> 
that yeah. everybody was like running around thinking it really was. In other words, that people back then, it was like, it was very limited as far as a concept of extraterrestrials, which totally was on the negative side. And then, of course, how do you talk about, I think I was abducted or I saw something that looked like this? Yeah, I think by, that's why I, I think it's a very widespread phenomena. More than, which is, more than what a lot of people think, I think. Which is both concerning and comforting, kind of. Because <gasps> um, I, I don't like mystery. I don't like these guys sneaking around at night. I don't like them abducting people without permission. That's a crime. On every country on our planet, kidnapping is a crime. Huh, you you can't do that. But you know what? Sometimes, I hate to say it, if you want to look at it from the human perspective, that if it serves scientific purposes, it's like almost like a forgiven, like, you know, maybe in their mind we're doing it for whatever our our benefit or theirs or a joint thing so you know yeah. maybe we're There's... being invasive and violating whatever but it serves a higher purpose yeah i think it's an emergency is what i honestly <laughs> think they're yeah. they're like we're really sorry but this has to be done right we're dying here right and we've got to do this or perhaps they're saving our own lives right. or wow. we do get a benefit well one lady's like furious and she started talking to this channeler who channeled a gray who apparently abducted her and she was like talking to him and the great and the gray said we have given you a great benefit in your psychic abilities and that is our gift to you and she did she had these amazing healing abilities yeah but still but you know what i i guess it's different and of course we're also again we're looking at from a human a perspective our moral compass which is an asking permission okay and sometimes I think they bypass that because they don't, maybe their moral compass is not exactly the same as ours. Yeah, I think that, well, I don't know. I feel like people know what's right and what's wrong, no matter what species you are. Um, no. I feel there's. But it's almost like they, a universal that, that they, set they, of code. Right, like, but they almost, or, or like you said, maybe they feel that because of certain factors that we don't understand or don't know about, it's like it, that's the overriding. You know, we have to, we have to do this. Yeah, or perhaps that they're like, well, we created you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're basically you're our pet. You yeah. Oh, that's pet. a horrible thought. <laughs> that's a horrible thought. Well, I mean, for all we know, that's they, because there's a sort of this is something people have told me that they feel a kind of an arrogance from these guys. You know what? Considering that we think we're at the top of the food chain, when I say because of our technology, not not physically, because. In reality, physically, we're kind of weak when it comes to the animal world, but because of our technology and our brains, we, you know, we're at the top of the food chain. That'll put us in our place, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, and that's what we've seen throughout history. Is like, no, you know, it turns out Earth isn't in the center of the universe. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> the sun does not revolve around us. <laughs> we revolve yeah. around the sun. Yeah. Um, um, and things like that, you know, and evolution, and perhaps you know, we are connected to other animals. In ways I mean, that we don't understand right right well i mean god knows i mean it's one of those things where i think it's a pandora's box some of the things that are going to come out of it are going to be very good and then others are going to be initially very horrible or frightening until we kind of like wrap our heads around it but i think initially but that's the thing you can't i don't think you can you know if you want to know i would rather know everything even if some of the stuff you find out is disagreeable right well, I, the way I feel is like what's true is true. You know, truth mm -hmm. kind of takes care of itself. And if you're not willing to face something or right. deal with it, 
you know, you don't you have know to what, experience Preston, that. There's a lot of people out there that they don't want this. A lot of those hardcore skeptics really at the base of their skepticism is fear. Like, how do I fit this into my reality of the world? Okay. Right. And, and I apologize to them, but they have to do their homework. You know, it's not healthy to stick head and remain ignorant. And I understand that this is a core belief. It's like politics. It's like sex. It's like, you know, um, these sort of core beliefs we have uh, that people don't like to talk about because it gets us into arguments. Well, you know, and, and, this, and some people, let me tell you, but some people are, you know, they're very much into everything has got to fit into this, my mindset of the world the way it is. And if I admit or I with the thought of extraterrestrials, then what else that I think that doesn't exist, it does exist. You know, it's like, I don't want to let that come in because that's it. And they they, 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 they can only function within a very narrow scope because, yeah. of course, what comes with that is a lot of other things. Think about it. All the things that we're told doesn't, you know, that doesn't exist or that's not true, blah, 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 blah. Then it's like, okay, wow, that, that could go off. Like I say into the never, never of the possibilities of different things, just not the, besides the existence of extraterrestrials. Yeah, I know people who will never believe in UFOs, even if one lands, yes. you know, maybe if yeah. they have to. <laughs> yeah, it's like all of a sudden, yeah, all the, all the news channels are flashing, it's like, okay, not all of this hit that this is happening. God, but for that, that matter, would... I know people who have the emotional range of a gray alien, you know, they're not yeah. very open-minded or yeah, emotional. You know, that's yeah. just who they are. Yeah, you know, there's going to be people that, 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 <laughs> that are going to go and hide in the in their basements, and that's the end of that. <laughs> no anyway. need to do it. It's a good news, I think. The UFO phenomena is good news for humanity. Yes, I, I think so. I think, yeah, it's, it's a little bit unnerving, but overall I think it's going to be positive. I think I agree with you. I think it's inevitable that at some point we're going to have to deal with uh, the truth of that not only are we not the only you know, sentient beings out in the universe, but that they've been visiting us. And I think what's really most frightening for most people that technologically they're more advanced than we are. Yeah, I think it's cool, though. I mean, I would yeah. love to ride aboard a UFO. I've seen some of this stuff. I've seen a UFO. And I can okay. tell you their technology is amazing. Right, right, and right, they're, right. They're beautiful. Oh, but, my gosh. But you know what? I think a lot of people... They're fascinated, but at the same time, they're thinking, okay, if, if this is obviously more technologically advanced, we are basically hoping that they'll be kind to us, you know, but we, we're going to be at the, sh if we might be at the short end of the stick, if this ever goes, you know, the wrong way, obviously. And I think that's what unnerves a lot of people about going down that rabbit hole of extraterrestrials and admitting to it etc and then we you know what comes out you know we we might be just like a, a what was it a, a reality moment where we're not everything we thought we were all right honestly i feel a lot better if our government said you know gosh we've got there's these gray aliens and we have no idea let's all get together and work yeah i'd feel a lot better because think, you know uh, we yeah. do have a lot of bright people yeah of course and, and, and that, and that would be the, the best thing to do yeah i mean together with love you know, the, that reduces the fear element for sure. Of course, it's the absolutely. unknown that causes fear. And having yeah. your own government lie to you 
Yes. Causes distrust. It's of the course. wrong thing to of do. Course. And also, sometimes people do imagine things that maybe there is no reality to certain aspects of this. You yeah. know, maybe there's things that doesn't know that is not that is not true. And it's like, oh, okay, but this is, you know, so in other words, you know, when they kind of come forward and actually say what they know. Uh, like I said, I'd rather know the truth than just be deceived or people's imagination thanks to Hollywood. <laughs> you know, that'll right. take a lot, you know, take us in a lot of different directions when it comes to, you know, are they friendly? Are they not friendly? Uh, are they going to conquer us? Are they going to enslave us? Or like in the Twilight Zone, are they going to cook us? You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have a cookbook up there on that ship? <laughs> it's a cookbook. It's a cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. I'm hopeful. Preston, I think we're in for good news. I think that I, I agree with you. I, I, I think that definitely it's only a matter of time and that despite everything, it's a mixed bag. But overall, it's going to be a positive for us as a species for humankind. I, I agree. believe that. Well, anyway, I wanted to thank you so much for uh, coming and doing this interview. You have been so fascinating because you have so many years of having that. What I consider so important, that one on one uh basically having people ordinary people tell you their stories their encounters okay uh people that maybe if it wasn't for the fact that they were able to talk to you would never have would have gone to that to their graves with their experiences uh and like i said after a while the odds are too much in favor of this being actually a reality of our world you know we, we just don't have to wait for it to be official. How's that? Because I think sometimes we're waiting for that official stamp, but it's like, yeah, we better get used to the idea, official or not, that, um, that we are. When we have been for quite a while, I believe, you know, yeah. being visited by, by uh, extraterrestrials. I agree. You only need yourself to know what's real. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much. You have been wonderful. And by the way, for my podcast listeners, what's your website address? Uh, if you just Google my name, it should take you there. The actual address is okay. Preston. The actual address is PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. Okay. I'm going to have a link on the credits it's of the show for it, but just in case and, for somebody uh, that's listening. Yeah, all my listening. books are there. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, yeah, all, my, all my books are there, and people can contact me through my website if they have a story or a yes. comment or that's, that's um, what i was going with that also yeah you've got a story they've got a story they can contact you about that right any encounters that they've had always love hearing from new people yeah perfect great okay thank you so much Preston. It has been wonderful take care thank you had a blast take care bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. Oh my God, isn't it great yeah baby let me tell you see that to me is, you know, again, you know, uh, this is controversial, but not controversial. Nowadays, it's not controversial anymore. Even though sometimes it makes you think, is there something, I don't know. But you, when somebody, let's say like him, that's spoken to so many different people, okay. Yeah, you know, you're going to have the people that maybe are lying and the people that, Believe it, but it's not really real. It's just, or maybe they had a sighting and it, it's a plausible explanation, but they ran with the UFO thing. Okay. If you take those out of the numbers, you still come up, it's too many people having certain experiences, whether it's a sighting of a UFO 
or an actual abduction, or there was once, that there's got to be something to it. And then, you know, you go with all these people that are whistleblowers that have come forward after, let's say, serving many years, whether it's in the government or in the armed forces, and they kind of like almost feel guilty that they don't want to die thinking, you know what, uh, everybody else should know about this. You know, I don't feel right dying and saying, not saying my piece. And maybe I kept quiet because I depended on my job or maybe they even threatened me, you know, or, or I knew I was, something's gonna happen to me or my family, but now I, I don't feel right dying and keeping this to myself. And a lot of people have come forward under those types of circumstances. And you're gonna think, okay, what? All these people that in some instances held actual important positions, again, whether it was in the government or in some type of the uh, branch of the armed forces, that all of a sudden these people are gonna go, oh, they're gonna, uh, yeah, I have nothing better to do. I'm just gonna make up this really convoluted uh, story about you know, things I saw or overheard or, or was brought into or, and you know, and I was told in no uncertain terms, you know, you're not allowed to talk about this. Sometimes from what I understand, even with your spouse. And I think sometimes and in, 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 in some instances, if, if it wasn't told directly, it was implicit, you know, the ones here that are at risk is not only you, it's your family. And think about it, most people, that'll stop most people. You know, even the person that, that's saying, you know what, I'll, I'm willing to, you know, depending of course on what they know. But when you start talking about, hey, uh, it's not only my future, but it's my family, my children, their future, their well-being, whether it's monetarily or sometimes safety-wise, why not? If you really want to go down that very dark rabbit hole of... Uh, of coercing somebody to keep quiet. Sure, I do believe that that's happened. I think that's happened a lot. And I think a lot of people never, that had a lot of knowledge just said, you know what, even when I'm gone, I'm not gonna leave this on my family. I don't want nobody coming snooping around thinking how much did he disclose to his family or his children before he died. Uh, I mean, I know that sounds very conspiratorial, but depending, maybe you were this type of person that was privy to certain information or you saw this work against other people. Or what if you were one of the persons that was in charge of making sure that, you know, that person, that person is starting to talk or this person has that knowledge and we got to make sure that that person stays quiet. What if you're one of those people that was in charge of ma making sure? In other words, you're a men in black. Okay, let's let's go with the the men in black there because you know some people say men in black are maybe actually extraterrestrials, but let let's go with the men in black as in government, like real human beings. What if you were a man in black, and that was your job? You know, to stoop around and visit people, or eavesdrop on them, or follow them, or or. For the ones that, you know, were getting to loosen the mouth, make sure that they didn't talk. If anybody's going to be aware of what lengths, you know, they're going to go to to make sure people don't talk about something or get the attention, it's that. 
And, and, and if you want to talk about anybody who probably did know a lot of secrets, it would have been a Men in Black. You know, and and you know, you you know, you could say, well, you know, were, were these people uh, psychopaths or sociopaths that were you know basically hired by the government to do this really dirty work? Well, possibly, but not everybody's going to fit the bill. You know, what if you were one of these? operatives who that was your job and uh you're following orders and you're being told you know what for government for your country you need to make sure that this person never ever talks about it you need or we've heard that this person is talking about this this is whether it was a regular person on the street who saw something or somebody that had that was in the government or again armed forces whatever and, you know, you're being told, you know what, you need to make sure that this person understands that they can never talk about that or, or you default. Now, can you imagine if this was your job and talk about somebody that probably knows a lot of stuff from a lot of different cases? Okay, because, yeah, you might have this one person who has information about this event or something. But if you're the person that's going from here to here to here to here, maybe through through some type of different years, throughout a span of time, and you might be aware even of things that even the general public never knows about, but you were there to, come, to be the heavy, in other words. Can you imagine being that person? Do you think you would ever talk? Maybe being aware of what lengths, you know, whoever whether it's the government in general or that ultra, like I say, secret squirrel department, deep, deep department, which is basically held the reins on this whole extraterrestrial ET back engineering, uh, the whole schm whatever. I'm not talking because from what I understand, sometimes they would assign people like, you know, somebody way at the top. In other words, you've seen what lengths will be taken to make sure that people don't talk or keep silent or don't disclose or man in other words yeah you would have a wealth of information but you would be the first one to say man i can never i can never talk about it uh because even if it even if i'm let's say i retire and i'm older if i ever say anything or I write a book or do an interview, you know, what's gonna happen to my family? Because think about it. What if you are one of these people that was a man in black? And mm, let's not go with a book. Let's say something, you know, you have an injury, you finally hook up with a Preston or somebody like that, and you say a little bit, just a little bit of what you know or a case. And those people go, hey, wait a minute. He's talking about that, but he knows all about these other things, all these other cases, all these other things that we did. Well, he's almost dying, or he died, or or he's like 80, 80 or whatever. Or he's got a, a, a terminal illness, and he's going to be... You don't think, depending... They're saying, okay, yeah, but you know what? What has he, is he talked? Has he told any of his family about all the other things? that he saw or did? How about close friends? We need to find out. 
Yeah, he's t telling a little bit, but he knows a lot. We need to find out. Is he disclosed to other people? If you don't think that that guy that was an enforcer knows about that. So that's what I'm saying. I think that there's a lot of people that know a lot more deeper, darker stuff that they're saying, I can never, ever talk about this no matter what. Even if I'm old, even if my career is over, even if I'm retired, because I'm still going to put a, a bullseye on my family because of the amount of information that I knew about. And they're going to be wondering if I disseminated more of it to people that were my family. And some of it could be, I imagine, really highly sensitive. And let's face it, people, you know, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Okay? Um, knowledge, not only the knowledge itself, but the timing of it. Let's go with the, um, let's say, what Preston was talking about. That we are aware of cures for certain diseases because of contact with extraterrestrials or because extraterrestrials have shared this knowledge with us. This is a hypothetical, but not far-fetched. Okay. If it ever came out, somebody says, yeah, extraterrestrials kind of like either gave us the cure or steered us in the right direction so we could do the research that would produce the cure for this disease, this terminal disease. How long you how long has the government or whoever known about it? Uh well quite a long time. Can you imagine how that or what if which I was telling him about, what if you're the government and they kind of like fess up, but then they say, Well, yeah, we have this amount of information and maybe we've been able to back engineer certain things, but there's other research that's been carried that we've lost control of because they've been taken over by private corporations who have state-of-the-art laboratories somewhere in other different parts of the world where we have no say-so. In other words, they're on an equal footing with us as governments. So we really don't have control over what they're researching, what they've come up with, whether it's knowledge, cures, um, technology, can you imagine? People would be like, what? Because remember, we always think of our governments as being the end-all, be-all of control over all of this. Now, once upon a time, research was carried out like through major universities, and then, then of course, they would get grants or the government would fund them and blah, 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 blah. Maybe a perfect instance, uh, let's say, uh, let's say Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, he was a professor at a major university and the government would come to him and would dispatch him on these things. And of course, this is a for instance, but, uh, you know, it's yeah, it's made up. But, you know, before the government would go to these major universities and basically they would be running the show because they were funding the research or the departments. But if what what if now the one that's doing all the research these ultra tech labs is a private corporation it's not a government and they're doing it out of laboratories in certain parts of the world where they say for example the u.s government has no say so 
Hmm? I mean, there's, that's a real dark rabbit hole to go down as far as when we start talking about extraterrestrials, what we know, what we don't know, who knows it, who is the one that's the repository of the information, or maybe it's only partial, or, you know, or again, let's say, let's say you are a private corporation that have been able to engineer the cure for certain diseases or illnesses. And you're thinking, hmm, you know what? We can make a lot more money if we, out of this research that we got because of our ET connection, whatever. More money to be made out of treating it. Pills, you know, whatever. Now, you cure somebody, that's it. They're cured. You know, and of course, you know, people will say, well, you know, because let's face it, humanitarian wise, if there's a cure come up, they're going to, the government is going to clamor this should be available to everybody. Not, you know, which is me being idealistic, but that's the way it should be, right? And they're saying, well, if we come up with a cure, that'll be the end of that. Person's cured. They get a shot, a treatment, you know, as in certain pills, cocktails, and that's it. They're cured. That's it. They're done. Or we get treatment, you know, we can control the symptoms, but we, man, that, that could go on for years. That could go on for the person's entire life. That's a lot of money to be made. A lot. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of different things out there that come with this. And, but I agree with Preston. I think it's only a matter of time how they're going to break the news to us. But like I said, I think the moment is coming sooner or sooner. And I'm very interested to see what happens with this Area 51 confrontation that's coming up. How they're going to handle that. That's going to be, that's going to be really interesting. Okay, guys, I hope you like this show. I have a lot of fantastic guests coming on. Uh, different topics. So stay tuned. Thank you again for coming back every week. I truly appreciate it. So take care.